The walls are closing in on Donald Trump. They've got him now. After seven years of constant and consistently failed attempts to take the man down, the libs, like Wiley Ott Coyote, like Elmer Fudd with Bugs Bunny, the libs insist that they've finally got the goods to take down Donald Trump. And the way they intend to do it is through a $250 million civil fraud suit against Trump and his children. So what is the suit about? New York Attorney General Letitia James is seeking a quarter of a billion dollars on the grounds that Donald Trump, quote, falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and cheat the system. I am announcing that today we are filing a lawsuit against Donald Trump for violating the law as part of his efforts to generate profits for himself, his family, and his company. The complaint demonstrates that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat the system, thereby cheating all of us. He did this with the help of the other defendants, his children, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump and former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg and Trump Organization controller Jeffrey McConney. Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization repeatedly and persistently manipulated the value of assets to induce banks to lend money to the Trump Organization on more favorable terms than would otherwise have been available to the company. So in other words, to translate that, the way the libs intend to get Trump after years of failure is to claim that he, perhaps the most famous braggart exaggerator rich guy in America, may have bragged about and exaggerated his wealth at different times. The lawsuit is not only preposterous, but it is actually, as far as I'm concerned, a good thing for Trump. In politics, there's an old saying that the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. And the fact is, the libs keep going after him on flimsier and flimsier grounds. Trump doesn't need to worry all that much about this political attack from a Democrat. The only time Trump will need to worry between now and election day 2024 is when the Democrats stop attacking him tooth and nail. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Archetype Goto, who says, if you're not socially conservative, you're not actually conservative. Social relates to society. Society is where we live. And your fiscally conservative money means nothing when the society around you is burning and rioting and censored. Absolutely right. If you are not a social conservative, you are not a conservative. You are not actually conserving anything except you think your own wealth, but your own wealth is contingent on a stable and orderly society. To be a rich man in a country that's completely fallen apart is actually much worse than being a poor man in a flourishing society. Your wealth isn't even worth what it would be. If you want to conserve anything, you must be a social conservative. Otherwise, you're just a greedy, short-sighted Democrat. Don't do that, okay? We got we to gotta conserve stuff ourselves. We got to do stuff ourselves. When you got to fix your car yourself, you got to go check out Rock Auto. 
Right now, head on over to rockauto.com, write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box. With the ever-increasing numbers of vehicle makes and models, it is impossible for a traditional chain storefront to stock all the parts that you need. Why would you wait while the man at the counter orders parts for your car from the brand that his warehouse happens to carry when you've got a computer right there in your pocket? You can go to rockauto.com. You can get all the parts that you need on a super easy to navigate catalog for much less money than you will pay at the brick and mortar auto parts store. You, you'll save a ton of time and time is money. You will always get the most reliably low prices, same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. No gimmicks. No, you got to log in at Tuesday at 3 a.m. and then you're going to save 20%. None of that. Always reliably low prices. You go to rockauto.com right now. You get the brakes, shocks, carpet, wipers, headlights, mirrors, mufflers, lug nuts, and any other part you need. That's rockauto.com. Be sure to write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. If I were Donald Trump, I would be thrilled about this lawsuit. I'd be a little irritated because it might cost me some money. It, it might be a little bit of a hassle. It's going to drag me into court. That would, that would be annoying. But I would be thrilled about it because what this lawsuit means is that Donald Trump is still the Democrats' number one target, which means that Donald Trump is still the number one prospect for president for the Republicans in 2024. That's it. If Trump were not the number one prospect, Trump would not be being sued right now. He would not be being criminally investigated. He would not be being attacked by the Democrats. The Democrats do, however, have other objects of ire and hatred right now. There was a post the other day from one of these blue check Democrat strategists who said, gosh, isn't this amazing? The, the two top Republican choices for president in 2024, Trump and DeSantis, are both under criminal investigation. Yeah, right, exactly. Funny how that works. They, it's, it's not that they were under criminal investigation and now they're the top picks for the Republicans in 2024. It's the opposite. They were the top guys. That is why they're under criminal investigation. And it's not just Trump. It's those two guys, Ron DeSantis as well. Even libs, even people who appeal primarily to libs are pointing out Ron DeSantis is doing a very, very good job positioning himself for the presidential cycle. For months, Republican governors have sent busloads of illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities like New York, D.C., and Chicago with the message of, if you like them so much, they're yours, okay? Well, just in time for Hispanic Heritage Month, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis upped the game by sending two plane folds of immigrants to the East Coast elite's favorite vacation island, Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. I personally think it's genius. But I wish that governors like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott would give Democratic governors and mayors more of a heads up because then that would expose the hypocrisy of the Democrats, which is they don't want immigrants here either. He says, I personally think it's genius. And what's great about it, he's, he's obviously not being tongue in cheek. He's not being ironic. His body language is showing that he knows he's saying something that he's not supposed to be saying. He goes, look, I personally think it's genius. And then he gives that side eye. He kind of looks to the rest of the panel. And what's really amazing is no one on that panel twitches a muscle. They don't disagree. They don't agree. They stay perfectly still <laughs> because they know they're not allowed to agree. Okay, if they, if they do agree with him, they might get canceled. But they also know that he's right. And they know that DeSantis is right. And so they don't, they don't want to agree with it. They don't want to disagree with it. They're just absolutely frozen there. But of course, Char Charlemagne is correct. 
Ron DeSantis is absolutely crushing it. This is a strategy that a number of people had been talking about on the right. Actually, Ted Cruz came up with the strategy. He introduced a bill in the Senate called the Stop the Surge Act, which said we're going to open new ports of entry and we're going to relocate the migrants to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware and Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket and the Hamptons and all over the place. But because the Republicans don't have the Senate majority, the Cruz bill didn't go anywhere. Then Greg Abbott started to try to ship these migrants to liberal cities. Problem is New York City or Washington DC or Chicago even, the the migrants can just kind of disappear. These are major American cities. It causes some problems, but they can kind of paper over it. It's only when you send it to the really, really fine liberal enclaves, when you send it to Martha's Vineyard, one of the nicest beach towns in the country, or Cape Cod, or the Hamptons, or Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, where Biden's from, then you can really see it, okay? And so it was, Ron DeSantis didn't come up with the strategy, but he did, he did implement it and sort of fine-tune it and perfect it. And it's genius. Of course it's genius. The Democrats have no way to respond to it. The best thing they can do is go back to their regular old tricks where they say, this strategy, whatever the Republicans are doing, it's dangerous. It's tantamount to murder. They're putting lives at risk. Has the president reached out to any of these governors? So here's the thing, and I was asked this question earlier today. I don't know why we would reach out Mm -hmm. to a governor or governors who are clearly playing a political game, right? It is something that they're doing not to find a solution, but to literally literally put people's lives at risk. To literally put those lives at risk, not figuratively, not metaphorically. They are literally putting people's lives at risk by sending them to Martha's Vineyard, one of the nicest, safest places in the country. Well, putting their lives at risk because let's say that one of the Venezuelan illegal aliens, one of the migrants, goes and gets a delicious Martha's Vineyard lobster roll. And let's say while this migrant is sitting on the beach enjoying that tasty vineyard lobster roll, he discovers that he has a shellfish allergy and he doesn't have his EpiPen on him, that, hey, look, that his life is at risk. He's not going to be getting lobster rolls in Del Rio or El Paso, that's for sure. Of course, Del Rio and El Paso and all the border towns are in every other way much more dangerous <laughs> to the migrants than Martha's Vineyard or Rehoboth Beach, Delaware or Nantucket or anywhere else. But no, it's putting lives at risk. Unless we are misinterpreting what Corinne Jean-Pierre is saying there. Maybe what she means is not that the migrants are at greater risk in Martha's Vineyard than they are on the border. That's obviously preposterous. Maybe what she's saying is that Ron DeSantis is putting the lives of the people of Martha's Vineyard at risk because the migrants are bringing with them crime. They're, 100% of them are bringing crime because their very presence in America is breaking one of the most fundamental laws. But furthermore, The only way that you cross that border illegally is by paying off the cartels, these absolute savage animals, some of the most terrifying, violent people on the planet. And then you go into debt to those cartels and you've got to pay back those debts when you're here in America. So yes, it's true. The, The migrants do, the ones who cross illegally bring a ton of crime. They bring a ton of violent crime and they bring sex trafficking and prostitution and all the rest of it. So yeah, that's true. Ron DeSantis, I guess, is putting people's lives at risk in Martha's Vineyard by bringing the dangerous migrants to them. Fair enough. But it's the people of Martha's Vineyard. It's the liberals who are bringing the migrants into America more generally. They're the ones who are putting all the border towns at risk and, and Americans generally at risk. So, okay, if this is a risk to people's lives, 
then stop allowing the cartels to smuggle people across the border. Either way, either way, the narrative coming out of the White House does not make sense. If they wanted to make sense, now that they've been totally exposed as hypocrites, not just my word, also the word of Charlemagne, uh, the uh, Charlemagne the God, a liberal radio host, if they want to, uh, to seem even somewhat coherent here, what they're going to have to do is send those migrants back. Just the same way that the people of Martha's Vineyard deported those migrants to a military camp within 44 hours, so too the Democrats at the national level need to send these people back. Joe Biden says, can't do it. It's just not rational. On the border, why is the border more overwhelmed under your watch, Mr. President? Because there are three countries that are never have, there are fewer, there are fewer immigrants coming from Central America and from Mexico. This is a totally different circumstance. What's on my watch now is Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. And the ability to send them back to those states is not rational. You could send them back and have them wait. We're working with Mexico and other countries to see if we can stop the flow. But that's the difference. Thank you. President, why are you sending migrants to Delaware? Do you have any comment or response to that, sir? He should come visit. We have a beautiful shoreline. He should come visit. Delaware? I like Delaware. What's going on in Delaware? Bye, everybody. It's just not rational. Yes, the White House is not being rational right now. What does he mean it's not rational to deport the migrants? It, it is rational to deport foreigners who are coming into your country against the will of your citizens and against the, your nation's laws. It is very rational to deport them. Of course it is. It's very rational for political leaders who are accountable to, to their people, who are actually accountable to their constituents, to do what their constituents want within the bounds of the law. That's very rational. But I think what, he, what he's trying to imply by the rationality here is, look, if they were just Mexicans, it would be, we, we would be rational to send them back to Mexico. But these guys come from Venezuela, and that's not rational to send them back. Why not? Is he... I, I can't tell if he's actually trying to make this argument or if he's just gotten confused and is babbling as he often does. But is he actually suggesting that because we share a border with Mexico, we can send them back, but because we would need an airplane, we would, it's, it would be, it's not rational to send the Venezuelans back? We have airplanes. We send migrants around on airplanes all the time. Joe Biden sends migrants around on airplanes. How come it's rational to take illegal aliens who cross the Rio Grande and end up in Texas? Why is it rational to put them on an airplane and ship them into the interior of the United States, but it's not rational to take those same migrants on those same airplanes and bring them back to the countries that they are actually citizens of? Why? It's the opposite, right? It's much more rational to send them back to their own countries. It's much less rational to put them on the airplane, send them into the middle of America. Why is it? We can't send them to Venezuela, which is where they're from. We can't send them to Martha's Vineyard, which is where all the liberal elites live. But we, we can send them to red states and purple districts and border towns. We can do that. Why is that? How is that rational? Doesn't, it has nothing to do with rationality. It has nothing to do with reason or a logical argument. It has everything to do with power politics. The migrants are more politically useful to Biden in the purple districts and the red states than they are to Biden either in Martha's Vineyard or in their own countries, because mass migration is the primary electoral strategy of the Democrats and has been for 50 years, more than 50 years. That's why. It's not, it's not about rationality or reason or justice. It's about bare knuckle brawling political interest. And the Democrats are willing to force their political will, which is unjust. And conservatives are not at all willing, until very, very recently at least, 
to, to pursue their own political will and exercise political power, which is just. Speaking of Joe Biden's lack of <laughs> rationality, this could be a topic for <laughs> weeks and weeks. You know, Joe Biden said a couple of days ago that the COVID pandemic is over. This was in his interview with 60 Minutes. Really, really great news. Wonderful stuff. This is the one glimmer of hope that we saw out of that whole interview. And then, of course, because it was a glimmer of hope, the White House had to come back. The White House, whatever the White House is, had to come back and contradict the president of the United States. The president also in the 60 Minutes interview said that the pandemic is over. There's been quite a bit of pushback to that uh, statement by the president. Where is he today on that? So just to step back for a second, what we saw during that interview, uh, 60 minute interview, when he made those comments, he was walking through uh, the the Detroit uh, car show, the halls of the Detroit car show, and he was looking around. We have to remember the last time that they had held that event was three years ago. Even as we're talking about Unga, the president's going to speak shortly, as I just mentioned, we that hasn't been held in, in person for about three three years as well. So we are in a different time. He's been very consistent about that. And the reason why is because we are now prepared. We are now ready. We know how to deal with uh, this pandemic. It is now more manageable. It's not as disruptive. Now, what he has been very consistent about is that we have to continue to have a front foot on this so we have the funding so that we are ahead of this, of any other, you know, as we look at future vaccines and future Future treatments. Can anybody translate that into English for me? That was a whole lot of words to say, ignore the president. Because the president said the pandemic is over. And then his spokesman said the pandemic is not over. And then the spokesman said implausibly, no, no, the president has been very, very consistent that the pandemic is not over. For instance, when he said a couple of days ago that the pandemic is over, what he really meant was the pandemic is not over. It's some, sometimes when he says one thing, he actually means it's opposite. And so that's why he's been so consistent. And that's why the pandemic is not over. Now, what does this mean? It means that Joe Biden misspeaks. Well, Joe Biden was actually right. The, pan, the pandemic has been over for years at this point. And the pandemic was never nearly as uh, great a threat to people's health as the libs said that it was, but the libs wanted to take a lot of power. And so they exploited it and were able to rig a presidential election and lock us all down for, for two years, two and a half years as a result of that. A topic for another day. Joe Biden actually was right. His White House, his spokesman is wrong on the issue. However, the White House and his spokesman apparently have the final say. It's not as though the White House, some spokesman came out and said something and Biden came out and said, no, that's BS. We're doing it my way. It was the opposite. Biden, nominally the president of the United States, says something and then the White House corrects him and the White House gets its way. So it raises this question beyond COVID, beyond the lockdowns. Who is running the country? Who is making the shots? This has been hotly debated. Some people think it's a shadowy cabal of former Obama type people. Some people think it's Ron Klain, the White House chief of staff. Some people say it's the deep state and the bureaucracy. And some people have argued, no, it's Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the decider ultimately. He might not know which end is up, but he's making the decisions. When you're president, you're president. I, I think that the only theory that we can completely disregard is that last theory. Is every time now that Joe Biden disagrees with the White House, which should be synonymous. Joe Biden and the White House should be the same thing, but they're not. And every time there's a disagreement between the two, Joe Biden loses. 
So Joe Biden is obviously not calling the shots here. That's a big, big problem for self-government. Even, even if you think that there are some questions surrounding the 2020 election and the way that all the rules were changed right beforehand and the way that it took weeks to finish counting the ballots and the way that there were all sorts of strange anomalies. Okay, regardless of that, at least Joe Biden ostensibly represents the will of the American people. He ostensibly was elected and is an accountable official in the United States. And not even that guy is calling the shots. So who is? Who is? How much of a say do we really have in our government? How much of a say do we really have in our sacred democracy that the libs keep babbling about, even as they continue to suppress the democratic elements in our government, including Joe Biden, including the guy that they say is their elected president? That's what, when Corinne Jean-Pierre wants wants a policy to go through and Joe Biden wants a policy to go through, Corinne Jean-Pierre gets her way. Speaking of black women, John Boyega who is an actor. I think he was in the new Star Wars movies. John Boyega, and I I mentioned this a little bit at the end of the show yesterday, is making headlines because he said an audacious, shocking thing. He said that he, a black guy, only dates black women. To GQ, he said, I only date black. Then it's about chemistry, personality, goals. Is there a synergy? Can I help you? Can you help me? Again, it's kind of a tawdry and clinical way to view a love affair. Can I help you? Can you help me? Can we advance each other's interests? Okay, I love you, honey. Uh, no, let's do it. Let's advance each other's interests. That's not what Cole Porter's saying. No, uh, not a great way to look at love, but he's saying, look, that's how it is. And, uh, and then he got in trouble because he said he only dates black chicks. And when he, he got pushback, he said, when people talk about preferring brunettes or blondes, they're not talking about wearing a wig. My preference is not a topic for debate. And I, I agree with him here. Why is, why is it wrong for a black guy to, to prefer to date black chicks? I don't think, why is it wrong for a Japanese guy to prefer to date Japanese chicks? Why is it wrong for a white guy to prefer to date white chicks? Oh, that's very wrong. <laughs> you see, because John Boyega will get away with this. He will, ultimately won't get in trouble because black people can't be racist. Uh, if a Japanese guy wanted to date a Japanese chick, he probably wouldn't get in trouble. But if, if a white actor came out and said, I only date white, I only date white chicks, it, it would be a national scandal. He would be, certainly be canceled from Hollywood. He would never work again. He would, he would be called a, a Ku Klux Klansman. Why? Why? I don't see any problem with any of that for any people. One, it's difficult to, to control one's preferences. I'm not saying it's impossible to shape one's preferences, but genetics and the way that you are raised and culture and nurture are going to shape those things. Why is it that John Boyega has to date, uh, I don't know, a Middle Eastern chick? Why does he have to date a white chick or a Chinese chick for, to advance political correctness? Is, is the man not allowed to have the love affairs that he wants? Is the man not allowed to pick the wife that he wants? Shouldn't that be the case for all of us? Why do, why do we have to suppress perfectly ordinary, normal things, all in the name of political correctness. I I think it's fine. I I hereby uncancel John Boyega. John Boyega, fine in my book. Those movies are not fine in my book, but John Boyega is fine. Tonight, you know, is a brand new episode of Ben Shapiro's Book Club at 8 p.m. Eastern on dailywireplus.com. This month's book is All the King's Men. Tune in to hear Ben discuss the book and share his notes with you. You must be an all-access member to join in on the fun. Head on over to dailywireplus.com. Become a member today. Join Ben Shapiro's book club tonight at 8 p.m. 
Eastern. Speaking of racial identity, Sonny Hostin on The View is not just attacking Trump, not even just attacking Ron DeSantis. There is a third Republican prospect for president that the libs are beginning to go after. That would be Nikki Haley. How are they going after her on racial grounds? I think we've got some if they're willing to challenge Trump. I'd love to see Nikki Haley. I'd love to see Liz Cheney. I'd love to see and Nikki Chris Haley, Inu. the chameleon, and and Liz Cheney, Flip-flop. who's the savior. I disagree. Of, I think I think I think that Nikki Haley was incredibly effective governor what is her of real South name Carolina. Again? Wait, Alyssa, I have a question because for you. Aside from Ron DeSantis, a lot of a lot of people don't go by their actual real what name. What is her name? I believe it's, uh, I don't want to mispronounce it. It's, it's Indian, but she, she's, but her background's Indian. But she doesn't necessarily, you know, I think if she leaned into. A ton of people don't, don't go by their but color. A, a, wait, be a serious. So Nikki Haley's given name is not actually Nikki. It's some Indian sounding name, but she goes by Nikki because this is America and people speak English and because she's in politics and I don't know, and maybe just because she prefers the name Nikki. That's fine. It's a very nice name. And Sonny Hostin is saying, that's wrong. She can't do that. She's not allowed to take on a more English-sounding name. That, according to Sonny Hostin, whose name is Anuncia or Anunciata or something. It's a Spanish version of of the the name for the, I think it's it's Anuncia or something. No, I'm sorry, Asuncion. There it is. So it's it's not the enunciation. It's the assumption. But she's got a Spanish name. It's a very nice name, and she prefers to go by an anglicized version of that. What do we take away from this? Two things. It has nothing to do with the names, what names people want to go by. They go after Ted Cruz for this very same thing. Ted Cruz's name is Rafael Edward Cruz, but his father's name is also Rafael. So when Ted was a kid, people would call him Felito, and Felito is not a name that a young... <laughs> young American boy wants to be called, or really any boy wants to be called, I think. Uh, and he, he was sort of getting made fun of for that name. And so he went with a, a nickname that is part of one of his names. A nickname for Edward, his middle name, is Ted, and he goes by Ted. Okay, is there any problem with that? I don't see any problem with that. Especially if you're living in America. America, we speak English for now, and we, we speak it at least relatively coherently before all the woke people redefine all the words. And so he goes by Ted. That's fine. Certainly makes a lot more sense than somebody... somebody by the name of uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke going by Beto. It's kind of weird for a white guy with an, an English-sounding name, Irish-sounding name, to go by a Spanish name when he lives in America, which ostensibly is supposed to speak English. But okay, even Beto, whatever. Or uh, Sonny Hostin wants to go by Sonny. But Nikki Haley's not allowed to do it. Beto's allowed to go by Beto. Ted's not allowed to go by Ted. Asuncion is allowed to go by Sonny. Nikki's not allowed to go by Nikki. Why? Because it has nothing to do with any principle. It has nothing to do with any names. It has nothing to do with any kind of racial politics even. It's really just because half of those people are Democrats. Half of those are people are Republicans. It, it, it isn't even on the basis of race. Nikki Haley is Indian and Ted Cruz is Cuban and Irish and Italian and a bunch of other things. And Beto O'Rourke is a white guy and Sonny Hostin is Hispanic. But it, it actually doesn't have to do with race. It's just the Democrats get to do whatever the Democrats want. The Republicans can't do anything right. And that's it. So there's no principle here. And as we approach the 2022 midterms, and as we get into 2024, we have to remember, as these attacks kick up, we have to remember they are completely baseless. There is no reason to take any of them seriously. Actually, you don't have to hand it to the Democrats. You do, it's completely in bad faith. It's all BS. Just laugh it off and ignore it. For goodness sakes, they're going after Nikki Haley. 
Nikki Haley, who I really like personally, Nikki Haley is a very moderate politician, okay? And I promise you, if Nikki Haley somehow got the Republican nominee in 2024, they would call her Eva Braun, okay? And they'd probably call her Hitler. They'd probably just go all the way and call her Hitler. They would find a way to make Nikki Haley a far-right, radical, semi-fascist, anyone. They would do it to anybody, okay? And they'd find all these ways to attack her that that come from principles that they would never hold themselves by. And it's all just so fake. Just totally ignore it. Okay. You know, you know where you see this most clearly is when the libs talk about political violence. There was, I meant to get to this yesterday. We'll get to it now. Horrible, horrifying example of political violence. A 41 year old liberal just murdered a poor 18 year old Republican kid specifically because the kid was a Republican. That's it. There, there are no additional factors here. This is in, in all of the reporting and apparently in the guy's own words. This 41-year-old liberal killed this poor 18-year-old kid because he viewed the 18-year-old kid as a, quote, Republican extremist. They had a debate over politics, and then the 41-year-old Dem killed the 18-year-old Republican. Ran him over with his car. Then the good news is this 41-year-old Dem was charged with vehicular homicide. And then the bad news is because we have completely abandoned the justice system in this country, when it is politically convenient for Democrats, the guy got out on bond. $50,000 bond, the guy's out. The guy murders an 18-year-old kid simply for the crime of being a Republican, runs him over with a car, then gets out on $50,000 bond. There, there are basically no examples of political violence from the right in recent years. But one, do you remember there's one example from that Unite the Right rally where a a right-wing guy apparently hit a left-wing gal with his car. And it it was considered the worst terrorist attack ever. The guy is for sure going to rot if he doesn't receive the death penalty. He was, he was considered worse than Hitler. I mean, and he committed a terrible crime and he's paying the punishment for it. This Democrat guy committed the exact same crime. Much more clearly, by the way, too. At least with the Unite the Right rally, there was a ton of political violence going on on both sides. It was a melee. There was basically gang violence going on in the street. Here, it was just two guys. It was an older Democrat guy who got into an argument about politics with a young Democrat teenager or a young Republican teenager, and then he decided to get in his car, premeditated, no political violence going on around him, and just mow this guy down. And he gets out $50,000 bond. You, you, you won't hear about this from the liberal outlets. All of the political violence, statistically all of it, is coming from the left. And we are getting speeches from the president of the United States calling Republicans extremist, fascist, domestic terrorists. Biden's DOJ is referring to ordinary citizens as domestic terrorists. Parents who question their child's uh, curricula in school and the fact that the kids are being taught critical race theory and radical gender theory are being referred to as as extremists, real potentially violent threats in America and the DOJ and the FBI are looking into them. It's just so bogus. Okay, obviously there are two, two justice systems in America. And so why do I say it? Again, not just to point out the hypocrisy and try to reason with the libs and get them to change their minds. That's not what's going to happen. I'm, I'm really trying to reason with the Republicans here and the conservatives and say, hey, guys, especially the squishes in the middle, this is all fake. Never give in an inch 
Don't talk about January 6th. Don't talk about the violent threats from the Republicans. It's all just made up, guys. And where it's not made up, there is like the tiniest little minuscule half kernel of truth that is then blown into proportions that take it into the realm of the absurd. Meanwhile, actual, very clear violence and threats and all sorts of other nefarious things from the left are completely ignored and in fact even justified. Okay, it's just a liberal narrative that is totally fake. Just ignore it. Okay, ignore it and just keep on keeping on and laugh at these people when they accuse you of anything. The, the liberal narrative, we, we had a, a wonderful opportunity the other day to pull up a big bag of popcorn, get a front row seat to watching a liberal narrative collapse in real time. This went viral. It was Don Lemon on CNN interviewing a British journalist about the Queen's death. And Don Lemon, just like all the libs, trying to use any political or historical event to, to rewrite that event and then use it to push his own uh, political agenda that is totally divorced from reality. Uh, one thing I love about the British, they're just, they've just got a sort of grace to them. You know, they're, they've got a sort of ease in the way that they speak, in the way that they can make an argument. Listen to how this British journalist just artfully dismantles Don Lemon's stupid argument about the Queen. Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism. And they're wondering, you know, one hundred billion dollars, twenty four billion dollars here and there, five hundred million there. Some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are you know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when that crossed the entire world, when the slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla- uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, it is an interesting discussion, isn't it, Don Lemon? I love to, she did it so gracefully that he, he couldn't even fight back against her. Obviously, he doesn't have any facts at his disposal. He was just spouting nonsense. And she just so gracefully, with a nice little smile, said, well, actually, Don Lemon, uh, the stupid point that you're making uh, really ought to be flipped on its head because the British are the least culpable people in the entire world for slavery. I don't know. I'm kind of doing a little bit of a, of a Paul McCartney man, you know. I don't know that I can really do a proper British accent like she's doing. But that's the point that she's making, okay? And Don Lemon's there, and he's, it's just like he was hit by a freight train. He just, and the the narrative, you had the narrative kind of chucking along, and then that British journalist came because she had not only 
moral clarity and not only the facts at her side, but the courage to go on CNN and say, nah, all that politically correct mumbo jumbo, it's all completely BS, Don Lemon. And if anything, the Africans owe the British an apology for slavery. (laughs) Just completely destroys the narrative. You know, housing prices are falling. Inflation is raging harder than a Finnish prime minister on a Saturday night. But the news is not all bleak. In just a few short months, Jeremy's razors kneecapped Harry's razors. Tens of thousands of people like you have stood up to woke razor companies and said enough is enough. And for that, we want to thank you with the new Jeremy's razors contest for the car. Here's how it works. For every person you refer, whether they buy a Jeremy's razor kit or a Daily Wire annual membership, you both get points in the race to win the God King's McLaren. This is not just a masculine car. This car actually spells out the word masculine in exhaust fumes. Refer enough of your friends to Jeremy's and you just might win it. I am not joking. This is totally real. If someone in our audience wins this car, I would be very, very proud. And then probably ask for a ride somewhere. The race for the car ends on November 1st. So get in the competition today. Go to jeremysrazors.com slash play. See terms and conditions for complete details at jeremysrazors.com slash referral terms. The program is open only to legal U.S. residents residing in the U.S., D.C., excluding residents of Colorado, Connecticut, Maryland, Puerto Rico, and U.S. territories and possessions. 18 and older. Remember, friends don't let friends shave with woke razors. Don Lemon, totally destroyed with facts and logic. I, I hope, I, I, I would, if we had more time, I would play that clip again, just so that conservatives can take notes on how that woman did it. Because I bet you, when confronted with the same BS narrative from Don Lemon, I bet you 99.7% of American conservatives would not give anywhere nearly as bold an answer as that woman did. Don Lemon is pitching this lib line that we've heard about. Well, the queen, she's actually a sort of complicated figure because of colonialism and the legacy of slavery and all this just complete nonsense. Queen Elizabeth is not only not a complicated figure, she is probably the least complicated figure in modern history. She's just a woman who did her duty faithfully. Name me a queen scandal. There were scandals with her kids. There were scandals with some members of her family. Name me a scandal from the queen. Name me a, a policy of the queen or some initiative from the queen that's really controversial. And I, I can't, you can't name one. They got nothing. The, the, only, the only attacks I've heard on the queen that, that the libs have been repeating with any success whatsoever is, you know, she knighted a guy maybe who turned out to be a jerk. Or she, but they've got nothing. Or her kids were jerks. Or, sure. But they got nothing. She's not complicated at all. And then even the historical narrative that Don Lemon is trying to push is just BS. This is how conservatives should talk about it. Not only should we not say, well, we've got to apologize for the original sin of slavery. Forget it, Great Britain. In America, you know, it's the original sin of this country. And we will, we will never get that stain off of our country. What are you talking about? America is not only not the most responsible for slavery in the world. America is one of the least responsible countries for slavery in the entire world. Okay, we... We had slavery in America for a very, very short period of time compared with the rest of the world. We had slavery in the modern sense of the term in the West for a very, very short period of time compared to the rest of the world. Where did we get the slaves from? Because Africans were enslaving their own people and still are today, by the way. Not nearly as much as they were at the time of the transatlantic slave trade, but to some degree, they still are. Where did we get slavery from? Because North Africa, not just sub-Saharan Africans, but North Africans 
were and continue to be enslaving people for a long time. The, the Muslims in North Africa controlled a major, major slave trade for a very, very long time. You still see slavery in East Asia. You still see slavery everywhere in the world other than in the United States and in America. And we fought a bloody civil war over the issue of slavery. If anyone should be apologizing for slavery, it is everybody else on earth except for us. Okay? That's the real answer. And I think it's silly to apologize for slavery generally because it's a, just an expression of the fallenness of the human heart, right? Not, not a pathology unique to the West. If it, if it, the only thing that's unique to the West here is that we got rid of it quickly and realized how bad it was. But it's, it's a, a problem that afflicts the entire world because man is a fallen creature. So, but, so I don't think that we all need to go around flogging ourselves and apologizing for slavery. But if anyone is going to do that, it should be the Africans and the Arabs and the North Africans and the Asians and basically everybody other than the West. Once all those other people apologize, then maybe the West can start apologizing for slavery. But until then, it's obviously that's never going to happen. So just get rid of it. It's a bunk narrative. You, don't, you, you really don't have to hand it to the libs. You really don't need to give it to them or meet in the middle or reconcile. It's BS. Just totally ignore it. Speaking of slavery, false imprisonment, Governor Gavin Newsom, who really, really, really wants to run for president, he is clearly the most ambitious of the Democrats who could be the nominee in 2024. He is accusing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis of kidnapping the illegal aliens uh, that he had given a a nice vacation in Martha's Vineyard to. Kidnapping. And why was he kidnapping? Because he had these migrants sign forms to say, yes, I want to get on this plane. I want to go to this place. You can see it. They all sign their names. But, you know, they didn't really know what they were signing. And so it's been pretty much kidnapping to force them all to go up and have lobster rolls by the Cape. Kidnapping. Putting migrants on buses or planes is, is kidnap. Illegal aliens, by the way, is kidnapping, according to Governor Gavin Newsom. If these people don't really know what they're doing, it's just wrong to ship them out of your jurisdiction, except that Gavin Newsom did exactly the same thing. Gavin Newsom, where is it? I've got a whole article about this. Oh yeah, Gavin Newsom, this is from 2006, back when Newsom was running San Francisco. San Francisco put the homeless on buses and shipped them out of the city because Newsom realized that nobody wants the homeless people all just lazing about, shooting up drugs, threatening people, you know, defecating on the streets. That was back before San Francisco totally lost its mind. And he realized it's, this is, they, the homeless people don't have a right to do this. This is totally disordered. So we're just going to get them out of here. And he put them on buses and he sent them home. He did, he did exactly what Ron DeSantis did, except that Gavin Newsom put them on crappy buses and sent them to sort of crappy places. And Ron DeSantis chartered a jet and sent the, the migrants to Martha's Vineyard. But he, so, so Gavin Newsom just did a much less pleasant version of what Ron DeSantis did. But when, when DeSantis does it, it's compassion. It's, it's evil. I'm sorry. It's evil. It's terrible. It's kidnapping. It's slavery. When Newsom does the, the very same thing in a worse way, it's wonderful. It's compassionate. It's fine. Move along, move along. No principle here, folks. No principle. And I just, it, I'm just putting my warning out here now as we head into the midterms and into 2024. I will have no quarter for the squishes. I've never really had much quarter for the squishes, but certainly none now. As things have accelerated, as the libs have seized more and more power, as they've spent eight months burning the country down, as they are regularly not just threatening the 
livelihoods and lives of conservatives, but actually attacking them, trying to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh, killing 18-year-old Republican kids just for being Republicans, calling out these elected officials saying, we encourage you to go to the Republicans' homes, to attack their families, <laughs> to go confront them in the streets. And then the elected officials bailing out the, the violent marauders after they commit these acts because these, these street people are the military wing of the Democrat Party. I just have no quarter for the squishes. I just, I don't want to hear about, well, DeSantis shouldn't have done it in that way. Well, Trump actually shouldn't have tweeted that way. Well, actually, you know, you got to hand it to them. You don't, you don't have to hand them anything. Pick a side, man. You know, do I have disagreements with the Republican party? Lots of them. Do I think that every Republican running for office is a great guy who will even do a semi good job? No, I don't. But come on, man, the stakes couldn't be clearer. Okay. The libs are, are, intentionally opening up all of our borders, flooding our country with millions of foreign nationals, letting the prisoners out of jail, encouraging violence against us, destroying the economy. Come on, give me a break. It's not that complicated. You don't, you don't need that much nuance. You don't need to hand it to them. Speaking of Dems, speaking of Dems letting the criminals out, John Fetterman running, running for Senate in Pennsylvania, even though he's he can't really be on the campaign trail because he can't actually really speak. And even when his health was better, he, he was still a radical candidate who was not particularly coherent. John Fetterman, it has come out, really wants to free murderers. Okay. He said if he had a magic wand, what he would do is the first thing he would do, it wouldn't cure cancer. He wouldn't, you know, end world hunger. What, what he would do is let murderers out of prison. And he did vote to let murderers out of prison, including one man who... This is, this is just a delightful report from the Washington Free Beacon. A Fetterman voted to free a murderer who hacked an innocent man to death with garden shears. So this, this murderer, uh, Charles Zeke Goldblum, was sentenced to life in prison for uh, killing a man with garden shears. And then, then when the guy got out, uh, he uh, hired a hitman to murder his accomplice in the murder. And John Fetterman voted to let that guy go free. Why? Probably, if I want to be as charitable as I can possibly be, it's because the libs just have a completely per- perverted understanding of justice, and the libs believe that the perpetrators are the victims, and the victims deserve no justice. Right? That's what the libs think about it. The only reason that this poor man hacked his neighbor to death with garden shears and then murdered his accomplice, tried to murder his accomplice, is because society failed him. It's your fault. It's the fault of the bourgeois culture and society. If only society had been different, then the man wouldn't have hacked his neighbor to death with garden shears. And that's why it's really, he's really the victim here. And we need to let him out. He's paid his debt to society because he stayed in prison for five seconds. This, this awful Democrat who murdered an 18-year-old Republican simply for being a Republican, he had to sit in prison. He had to sit in jail for a few hours He's paid his debt to society. It was society that failed him. Really, it was the Republicans egging him on. You know, those violent extremists, they made him do it. What's a man to do? Those Republicans are such violent extremists. Sometimes they wear horn hats into the Capitol Rotunda and take selfies. You know, those those awful Republican extremists who sometimes, when they get a little bit of political power, want to enforce any of the laws. They're just really semi-fascist extremists. Awful. So that's the charitable view of John Fetterman. But the, the more cynical and I think realistic view of why the Dems want to let all the criminals out is because it creates chaos and it allows them to take more power. And because the people that they're letting out attack Republicans. I think they, I think they choose to permit and even encourage the BLM riots 
because it helps them and it intimidates their political opponents. Meanwhile, as I mentioned earlier, I alluded to the horn hat guy, you know, some Midwestern grandmas show up to the Capitol one day and don't kill anybody and don't really do anything other than make a mess of the rotunda. That's considered the worst terrorist attack. We got to shut that down. We got to throw them in solitary confinement because that's not, that's not helpful to the Republic, to the Democrats political agenda. That's what, that's what this is really about. A raw exercise of power. You don't need to, to hand it to Democrats. You don't need to give them anything. Okay. The rest of this show is continuing now. By the way, then I'm after this show, I'm flying out to Milwaukee because I'm going to be appearing tonight at uh, Wisconsin Lutheran College. It's going to be a ton of fun. The Catholic University, University of St. Thomas won't have me. They disinvite me for saying Christian things, uh, but the Lutheran College will have me. How about that? That's pretty ecumenical. So uh, head on there. It's uh, free and open to the public if you can make it in Milwaukee. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, If you can't make it, or even if you can, head on over to the member block. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. We've got a great interview coming up. See you there.